You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hi, I'm Paul Phelps, co-founder of Outer Loop Coaching and OuterloopCoaching.com. And I'm here to talk to you this week about four reasons why you should have a collaborator in your songwriting process. So let's go through them. I'm diving right in. Number one, the song matters most. It's not about your ego. Your fans aren't going to care about who wrote the songs. They just care whether the song is great or not. So bring in a collaborator, somebody who knows what they're doing, and you're going to end up with a better song. Number two, you will learn a ton about the craft of songwriting, especially when you bring in somebody who is great at songwriting. So get a producer, get a person in your local scene who you really admire the songs that they're creating. It might not even be somebody who's within your genre. They might be somebody who's doing something completely different, but you admire what they do and would be interested in hearing what their style is going to sound like with your style, and you're going to have some amazing results, but you will more importantly learn a lot about the craft of songwriting during the process. Number three, this will break you out of your rut. It'll break you out of patterns that are developing that you use all the time in your songwritings. It'll break you out of some bad habits that you may have developed over time just working on your own or just working with the same one or two people on all the songs that you do. So bring in an outside collaborator and try to find a way to get you out of your patterns and out of your ruts in order to produce much more interesting songs. And number four, it is motivating. You will get motivated when you want to show off to your collaborator as to what it is that you're creating and what you have created and things that you want uh, uh, their help on. So it'll motivate you. If you find you're in a creative rut, sometimes having that sort of inspiration, that, that, that need to come out and produce is going to make you do that thing and it'll make you create more songs and better songs. So those are four reasons that I think you should strongly consider getting a songwriting collaborator right away. Once again, get someone good. Get some, If you can get Max Martin, who's made hundreds of millions of dollars in the last 15 years or so, just because he's able to write amazing songs and you don't even know his name. It doesn't matter the people that he's written songs for, whether it's Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and all of them. They all trust him with their songs. Some of them just showed up in the studio and sang the songs that he wrote. I'm not suggesting that for you, but I am suggesting that if you were to collaborate with somebody like a Max Martin, whoever it is creatively in your uh, local scene, your genre, whatever it is that you uh, have, um, uh, your social circle, you're going to end up being a better songwriter as a result. All right, so we've got a bunch of really great programs at Outer Loop Coaching. One of our best, I think, is Release It Right. It goes you, it takes you step by step through the process before you go in the studio, while you're in the studio, and after the recording to release your album or EP the right way. Come on down to outerloopcoaching.com and check out Release It Right. 
and check out our very special Silver Scream edition for Ice Nine Kills. Lots of information, including some free videos to give you some um, insight into uh, how to release your album or EP the right way. Also, the free ebook from Mike Mowry, Outer Loop Group's founder and president on the Music Management Primer. Come on down. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about what's in a recording budget. That's a not miss episode. So don't don't sleep on it. Make sure you sign up to get these uh, via email or via your podcast app or here on the Managemental Podcast. And uh, I will see you next week. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What up, Blasco? How's everything going in your world? Rocking and rolling, my friend. Uh, you know, hitting the road here pretty soon with the Ozman, and um, uh, that'll be pretty exciting. I'm excited. Hell yeah. <laughs> in the, the last episode, we chatted about other concepts for success. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This week, we talk more about basic concepts for success. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. So, Mike, here we are. We're going to continue on with Bobby Owinski's uh, piece on HypeBot. 10 Basic Concepts for Success in Today's Music Business. This is part two, where we are covering five through 10 of his basic concepts. Uh, Much has changed in the music industry over the last few years that affect an artist's ability to be successful. Some of it is brand new, and as a result of the technology we use, while some of it is good common sense that's been used over and over and over many decades of the business. Here are 10 basic business concepts. We're only doing the second five this time uh, that an artist, musician, producer, or songwriter needs to grasp in order to be successful in today's music environment. So number one of today's episode is major labels want radio hits. They want an easy sell, so unless you create music that can get on radio immediately, a major label won't be interested. This is what they do, and they do it well. So if that's your goal, you must give them what they want. Yeah, and and, you know, oddly enough, this has always sort of been the the case. I mean, of course, I think we've talked and and we've all noticed that over the years, artist development at major labels really has kind of gone out the window. I mean, when you're trying to put up major promotional dollars to, you know, to rack up major radio hits, there's only so much room 
you know, to, and, and time to allow artists to develop. So it's sort of like, you know, don't, don't hate the player, you know, hate the game. So if you're after, you know, massive radio success, by all means, tailor your music uh, to the format, uh, depending on your genre and, and strike for the majors. And otherwise, you know, we've talked a lot about the fact that you know, there's so many tools available to artists that allow them to either work with indies or even do things on their own. I'll tell you a story, Mike. In the 90s, I was in a band called Drown, D-R-O-W-N. And we were a local LA band and we did a lot of demos with uh, A&M Records that was around at the time. And our songs were, I wouldn't say necessarily they were radio friendly, but they were at least radio formatted. Uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, uh, you know, three and a half minutes, four minutes, you know, kind of digestible, just would need someone to kind of get in there and, and you know, polish them up. Um, we got a record deal with Electra Records and um, something happened between the time that we were doing demos for A&M and then to where we went in the studio to make an album for Electra. In that time period, we got really into Neurosis. We got really into Skinny Puppy. <laughs> we got really into the Rollins Band. And at the time, Rollins Band was getting very progressive, um, you know, jazzy, long songs. So me bringing in Neurosis, the singer bringing in Rollins Band, the guitar player, programmer bringing in Skinny Puppy, it was this perfect storm of shit that is completely wrong for a major label <laughs> right <laughs> and we delivered our album and our first single and the single was like six and a half minutes long right and they're like yeah we don't we don't even know what to do with this and they made a radio edit and, da, 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 and, it put, and they threw it out there but it didn't catch six months later you know we're we're labelless, we're managementless. We get dropped, and I quit the band, and th that's the end of that. But the point of this is, is that if you're going to get signed to a major, give them what they do best, and this is totally fucking on point. If you want to be on the radio and you sign to a label that is strong and has a lot of muscle at radio, give them ammo. Give them something focus on their strengths, right? Or whatever label it is. Every label has its own strengths. Focus on what those are. But you can't go into a situation and give them the opposite of what they're good at and expect a result any different than what it is that they're capable of. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that was a funny story. Anyway, uh, number two, you must create on a regular basis. Fans have a very short attention span and need to be fed with new material constantly in order to stay at the forefront of their minds. What should you create? Anything and everything from new original tunes to cover tunes to electric versions to acoustic versions to remixes to outtakes to behind the scenes videos to lyric videos and more. You may create it all at once, but 
release it on a consistent basis so you always have some fresh content available. Well, Blasco, you know I'll never pass up an opportunity to drive I know, it's coming. Great content done consistently over time. And look, it's not a, you know, it's not a unique concept. Obviously, Bobby hits the nail on the head here. And, you know, I think many artists have picked up on this. And really, you know, it's such a cool thing because you can create so much stuff. You know, the tools are available. And if you run out of ideas and you've got a fan base, no matter how big or how small, as long as they're engaged, ask them kind of, you know, some of the things that they may want to hear or may want to see. But, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a basic concept for eternity uh you know you got to especially as you're growing as you're developing you know again the 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 point that i always like to make is the content needs to be great if you're while you're aspiring to be great good enough content works but it just means don't throw something out there just for the sake of throwing it out there you really need to have spent some time on it and ensure that it's going to serve your fan base as opposed to detract from them yeah and in in addition to this Maybe it's something like creating lateral content. Maybe it's starting a podcast that has nothing to do with your band, but you promote it to your fans, right? Maybe you interview other people, or maybe it's something more dramatic. Maybe it's more storytelling. Who knows? But like something like create like a merch line that isn't just band merch, but maybe is related to something. Maybe it's creating memes that are engaging and funny, but don't necessarily have anything to do with your band, but it's coming from your page. It's coming from your, it's coming from your place that you're, you're, you're promoting to your fans, right? So you don't have to overwhelm them with every little nuance of what you're doing, but keep it fresh and keep it exciting. And like I said, maybe you don't have to think of it so literal. You can also think of it as lateral as well. That's an amazing point. And I think the only, you know, thing and and is just make sure it's genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I as long as it's something that actually reinforces who you are and, you know, what you're trying to do, I think that's a fantastic uh, uh, additional point there. Yep. Number three, YouTube and Facebook are the new radio. Nurture your following there and release on a consistent basis. It's where the people you want to reach are discovering new music, at least for now. Yeah, I mean, I I get the point here. Um, And I think we've talked about this quite a bit in recent episodes. It's, you know, going where the action is, you know, making sure that you are, you know, honing, uh, you know, really developing your followings on the platforms that cater to, you know, the, the genres of music that you're in and, you know, not spending a ton of time on, you know, the, the smaller streaming platforms that really, you know, haven't proven whether they're going to, um, you know, really make a bona fide difference in, in your growth or not. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Nurture your following is probably the most important three words of, of, of this. Um, 
you know, YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they are the new radio. I mean, that's where, I mean, YouTube specifically is where a lot of kids listen to music and find new music and discover new music and share with their friends and whatnot. Um, but uh, that's, that's a factual statement. Nurture your following is an action that you actually need to take. Um, and because it's like, that's the most important thing. It's like, communicate with them, ask them what they want. Much like earlier, whenever, like, don't give a record label something that it can't do anything with. Don't give your fans that they can't do anything with either. Like, and, and, and the best part of the, the digital age is that you can communicate with your fans. Now, you don't have to guess what they want. Give them what they want. Ask them what they want. Oh, you want an acoustic version of this? Great. Here it comes. And not only that, here's us in the studio writing it. Here's us in the studio recording it. Here's some behind the scenes of us making the video for it and all that. And it all kind of completes one big, nice package, you know? Uh, number four, growing your audience organically is best. Don't expect your friends and family to spread the word as they don't count. If you can't find an audience on your own merits, there's something wrong with your music or presentation. Find the problem, fix it, and try it again. The trick is finding that audience. Dude, this is such a simple yet so overlooked point. Mm -hmm. You know, it really, I mean, I don't know why it's striking me uh, in the manner that it is, but it's like, you know, first and foremost, of course, your friends and family, they're, they're, they're not going to be as honest as, you know, you, you need them to be. And, you know, one of the things that I find a lot of artists do is they look for the opinion that, that backs them up, but detract from the opinion that, you know, uh, is full of constructive criticism or doesn't back them up. And so I encourage you, if you're getting feedback from people, you know, saying things that you don't want to hear, you know, take a deep breath, take a step back, take the mature approach and understand that, you know, maybe there's some truth in some of that stuff. Um, and if you can, if you can pivot a little bit and hone, you know, what he says here, your music or your presentation, you can find that problem and you can fix it. You're going to be spending so much more time, you know, uh, with, with, you know, great, you know, with an audience than you are if you, if you, you know, drown that, uh, that voice out. Yeah, man. I mean, I agree with you. This is so on point and he's just, I mean, it's so simple, a few sentences, but just calling everyone out. Like, look, you got to find an audience. The only way that you have a career is with an audience. You got to have fans, right? And if it isn't clicking, if you're not building an audience, then there's a problem. I don't, and you have to be honest with yourself as to what it is. Is it the music? Is it the presentation? Is it the song? Is it the weird looking dude in my band? Like whatever it is, you got to, you got, you have to diagnose it. Cause if you're serious about having a career in the music business, you got to build a fan base. And if it's not building incrementally, even if it's, slowly incremental, but if it's not building at all and it's not building at an upward trajectory, there's a problem. If people aren't engaging, if people aren't 
aren't continuing to follow you, if they're not signing up for your mailing list, if they're not engaging, there's a problem. And you got to, you got to diagnose what the problem is and you got to fix it and try it again. And, and, and he's right. I mean, the trick is finding that audience and yeah, if there's a problem. Yeah. You have a, you have a pretty simple choice, you know, do you want to, uh, use the tools that are available to get, you know, I mean, you can get feedback in so many ways so easily now and use that as a way to make yourself better so that audience can grow. Or do you want to just, you know, carve your own path and see what happens? I mean, that choice is really up to you. Uh, And so, you know, again, if we're talking about music business and we're talking about growing things, we encourage you guys to, to do the former rather than the latter. You know, in addition to this, man, I got to say like people that are in bands, like, you know, I've been in bands since I was 13 years old or whatever, you know, and being in a band with a bunch of other people is really difficult, especially whenever you, well, I I guess maybe at any point, but especially whenever you're young um, or or the older that you get, um, it's really difficult to find a group of people that are all on the same page. And man, if I, if I would have let other people drag me down or not encourage me. And if I didn't see the forest through the trees of like, fuck everyone around me that cannot hang. Like, like I am, I'm moving forward. Like I am rolling forward and I will get people that believe for long enough to get me over the next hump, you know, or whatever. But I'm just saying like a lot of times the problem is the dudes in the band. And if you don't share a collective vision of winning, you got to cut the cancer and you got to replace those people or just get rid of them entirely or whatever. But you got to look to what's closest around you. And a lot of times it's the dudes. You're not going to get better free advice on a podcast than that right there. That's, that is money. <laughs> uh, first and f- or number five, first and foremost, it all starts with the song. If you can't write a great song that appeals to even a small audience, none of the other things matter much. Yeah. And this is one that we've talked about, you know, uh, from time to time, anytime it comes up, I think we all agree. And, you know, of course, depending on the genre and and what you're trying to do, the quote unquote, you know, song, what goes into it is going to be different. But inevitably, if you're not writing something that connects with the target audience, you know, uh, from the song perspective, the basic, you know, tenets of a song. Yeah. Go back to the drawing board and figure that stuff out first, because everything else that you try to do on top of it is so much harder if you don't have, you know, the, the underlying, you know, component of a fantastic song to, to springboard you. Yeah, and I like how I like how he words it in that if you can't write a great song that appeals to even a small audience, a lot of these articles that we uh, that we dissect, it it kind of ends at the first part, writing a great song. But a great song is subjective, and like and like I like how he adds that appeals to even a small audience, right? So it's like a small audience of people could think a song is great. It doesn't have to be the greatest song in the world, but if a hundred people agree that this particular song is great and means something to them, 
that's where it's got to start. It's got it's 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 got to start there. But if you can't find a hundred people that agree that your song is great, then you have a problem. And you gotta you know you gotta go back to number four. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of the cancer Fuck, baby. cut it out Find, fix fix the problem try it again um but uh he wraps it up here mike he says i'm sure you'll agree that the music business is both exciting and invigorating in its current form it's not dying and it's not wilting unlike what you'll hear and read from the old school naysayers and haters it is constantly evolving and progressing and those who don't progress with it will fall behind. That said, these final five concepts, 10 in total, if you listen to the previous episode, will help anyone navigate the road to success. So Mike, what did you think about those uh, those 10 basic concepts there? Yeah, I thought they were great. And I really like the way that he sums this up. You know, it, it is. I mean, we're really in an evolving and progressing business. And that's exciting still to me um, in this year. You know, it's like I've got a career because the music business has evolved and progressed. And I've been able to, you know, uh, latch on and, 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 really stick to many of the basic concepts that exist and encourage my artists to do so and catch a couple breaks. And so to me, it's really great. I think Bobby's on fire. As we've mentioned, we've covered him in the past four episodes and um, I'm, I'm excited to, to see what this, this year brings. Agreed, man. Looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll dig into more of his articles uh, throughout the year. And that concludes episode 103. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And if you're interested in taking your career a little bit more seriously or a step forward, go on over to OuterLoopCoaching.com and check out the products that we have to offer. And while you're at it, get my free ebook, a music management primer. Blasco, what a fantastic start to 2019 with some really great episodes. And I'm um, looking forward to trudging on and bringing every, all of our listeners uh, you know, more and more great content. Love to hear from you guys, so don't hesitate to, to check in with us. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.